Chili's baby back ribs. What? That's right. We're a Riverdale recap podcast here to talk about chapter 112, American Psychos, written by Tessa Lake Williams and Greg Murray, directed by Gabriel Correa. Are you implying that Chili's ribs are actually like human ribs or something? I don't know why you would think that. <laughs> it's the only thing I could think that would connect it to this episode. This is our long-awaited... <laughs> Long-promised, under-promoted annual uh, musical episode. And you know what? It all makes sense now. I guess I should call it our alleged musical episode. <laughs> Can't imagine why they under-promoted this. <laughs> so we jump right into it. Jughead is never seen and never heard. He is once spoken of. Not we, even we, as narrator. We did a Tabitha on him. We tabitha him out. Where we're like, hey, she's in Albany. We're like, hey, he's in the sex hole. He's in the sex hole. He, he's having some problems. He's hearing voices. No, he's not drinking. He's fine. He'll figure it out. That scene is, what, something like eight minutes from now? But we're just going to say it at the top for why there is no... No Jughead. No Jughead. No now, narration. Now, here's my question yeah. that I was thinking of. Is there no Jughead because, like, story-wise... They were like, this is the route we want to go. Or is there no Jughead because Cole Sprouse was like, no. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we'll just like say you're in the sex hole for a while. I mean, with a cast this large, you rotate some in, you rotate some out. You know, we've talked about some of our characters going on hiatuses. Mm -hmm. It's Jughead's turn, frankly. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, he hasn't really had his turn since... uh he disappeared back when. Yeah, since he got rabies. Yeah, since yeah, his he, rabies and the Rat King. Since he unlocked his suppressed memory of rabies. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> what starts this episode off instead is a conference around the kitchen table at Archie's house. Uh, putting the finishing touches on SlaughterCon 22. Uh, and, and Betty just cannot believe how quickly Veronica pulled this off. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense because there is the whole crime con circuit and they are hungry for a big show in Murder Town, USA, Riverdale, New York. Yes. And now some of them did have concerns like, hey, is this going to actually like attract murderers and will they murder the people? And Charles is like... Oh, we love our fans. We don't want to kill them. Yeah, Charles is in this group, not because of his experience, I don't know, as a FBI agent who tracks down serial killers. But no, as a serial killer himself, that is the expertise he's bringing to literally the table. Yes. You know, Betty's reassuring that, like, it will be fine. They're going to have an FBI agent outside the house. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Agent Drake's like, don't worry, I'll be close. And Archie's like, me too. And she rolls her eyes so <laughs> fucking hard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, okay, okay. Let's say I'm in town and maybe I want to attend SlaughterCon 2022. Uh-huh. What is in store for me? What's some of the programming we can expect? Oh, oh well, Veronica lets us know, because they have finalized the schedule. And it includes Dr. Kirtle doing a simulated autopsy. Hell yes! F 
Fuck yeah, I want front row tickets to that shit. I am rope dropping for Dr. Curdle Jr.'s panel. <laughs> Drake is also doing a panel on... It's about hybristophilia, and everybody's like, whatever that is, and we'll find out later. Yeah. Uh, and then there's going to be a panel for the Black Hood and the uh, Starkweathers. This seems to be a reference to Charles Starkweather, uh, the spree killer who killed 11 people in Nebraska. <laughs> this is kind of a late catch for us because the Starkweathers, plural, that they mentioned in the episode, are also the hillbilly lonely highway hunter family from last season you know the whole mothman thing and they they dress up in outfits that's what they were actually talking about and just now we're drawing the connection between those characters and the real guy charles starkweather anyhow uh there's also going to be a griffins and gargoyles tournament you know that rpg that you make up yourself but all of the missions are in the box and apparently there's score you can you can win and advance in a tournament bracket it's very popular with serial killer fans i i i need to see what they think this game is it's all coming back to me <laughs> um and then the big star of the show will be the sit down with the girl in the well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. aka bet but that's not all. No, no, no. Because every night has a capstone performance by Mr. Kevin Keller, who I guess is still under contract at Babylonium after all. Yeah. We haven't completely written him off for being <laughs> a doofus. Uh, and so he is going to perform select works from American Psycho, the musical. Which Veronica gives a brief introduction of, simply that it is an adaptation of the Brett Easton Ellis novel, Betty does not bring up, like, hey, I knew a guy named Brett Weston Wallace. Isn't that funny? No. No, <laughs> not gonna bring it up. Not gonna bring it up at all. Uh, so that is the plan for SlaughterCon. And quite frankly, my only to-do is Dr. Curdle Jr. simulated autopsy. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. what else do you need? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, raising my hand to volunteer. I'll be the body. <laughs> Dr. Curdle must touch me want like juniper to be like his little assistant <laughs> percival's talking to frank mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he's like okay this is like some some bullshit that all the workers aren't like working for us and ever since kevin stopped being evil at least for this week frank is new kevin frank is new kevin frank yeah. gets talked to uh percival's like man we really uh, need this railroad built because Bailey's Comet will pass over the town, and <laughs> if we don't have the railroad built in time, we'll have to wait another 65 years. And Frank's like, what the fuck does a comet have to do with anything? Bailey's Comet will supercharge uh, uh, Percival Pickens's proclivities, his abilities, his... His, his ghost train. Psychosexualities. <laughs> And, and so that is our deadline. That's when he's at his power. That, that's when he's at his height of power. I guess they really like Avatar the, the Last Airbender in the writer's room. I don't know. Uh, and Frank's just like, well, I don't, like, understand. Can't you just, like, mind control the workers? Which is a very weird thing because Frank is being mind control. But he knows about it. And he's fine with it. Maybe. I guess. He's not being mind controlled. But he was. Originally. So is it now that he's just accepted this and he's like, this is fine, I like this. Or is he being mind controlled and Percival's done like a, I'm mind controlling you, that you're fine with me mind controlling you. Percival's right wing message with a fancy person's accent and a suit and tie is really 
like motivating for even nominally like well-meaning rust belt white men of a certain age. I mean, that's true. But I do really like the idea of somehow Percival wording it perfectly <laughs> of like, Frank, you will do my bidding because you like being mind controlled and you know about it. So you will help me mind control others. <laughs> and Frank's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> this makes sense. But we, we get the vibe that like, yeah, Percival could, but he doesn't really want it to come to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a lot of vibes this episode. We're going to talk about vibes in a, in a bit. All vibes. Archie and Tabitha are talking to the workers mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. how, like, you know, they're working on getting the the f- a workers fund set up to yep. help them with, you know, living costs while they're not getting paid. Like, yeah, they're actually being supported out of a strike fund from, like, the national union organization. They finally yes. called the number. Finally. Yes. And while they wait for that to, like, come in, everyone and their families can eat at Pops for free in mm-hmm, the meantime. Mm-hmm. And then we get a very zoomed-in shot of smart food popcorn. White cheddar. <laughs> delicious. Just bought some myself for $1.77 with a coupon. This is the real mind control. This is what it is. Uh, and this is when Tabitha fills us in uh, on Jughead, because Archie's like, hey, how's Jughead? And like, oh, he's still in the sex hole. Yeah, all that stuff we said. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. So, so then, uh, Tony goes to visit Cheryl mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because she wants Cheryl to hear it from her. She's seen it on Facebook. You know how these things go nowadays. But just in case, <laughs> she's letting her know that she and Fangs are getting married. And you want to talk about uh, uh, facial reactions. Oh, boy. Yeah, Cheryl's not having it. Uh, she's not happy. But on the other hand, Tony is quite happy to meet Heather, who she heard so much about over all these years. Yes, and was quickly cut off from mentioning that to Heather by Cheryl, who was like, we're not going to say much more about that. So both of these ladies get invited to Tony's bachelorette party because, as we all know, the guest list isn't about the girls you want, it's the girls you have nearby. And so their plan is is that they're going to crash the after-hours dance party at the Serial Killer Convention. It's also not the venue you want, it's the venue you have nearby. You know, (laughs) you work with what you got. You work with what you got. Especially, I don't know, when you're not telling your friends about getting your marriage until, like, the day before... And then you're you're kind of running out of time for people to, like, plan and make their calendars free for the bachelorette. This might be one of those bachelorette parties that's, like, two months before the wedding. You don't know. I don't know for sure. This is true. I do, I do have to complain. I... <laughs> Who could have guessed? I'm very upset that we're, you know, segregating mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the parties. I don't really feel like that's Tony's speed. Sweet Pete would fucking be here and he would be hopping back and forth between the bachelor party and the bachelorette party. Sweet Pea's not allowed to come or else Fangs won't survive his own bachelor party. If Sweet Pea plans it, there'll be bungee jumping and he will forget the cord. He's not a bright boy. He's very dangerous to be around. Fine. Then I will seriously lose it if he does not officiate this fucking wedding. Because he is like their family member. Remember him? The three of them with grandma? Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Family. Family. He better fucking be there for the wedding. Seriously. Like, I don't care that he's off with Josie wherever doing ghost shit. Yeah, that's the reason he hasn't showed up. He's battling the voodoo king. 
He's you, busy. You, you can take a vacation. <laughs> Get your ass up here. Okay. Wedding episode. Totally in media res. No, re- no warning, no title card, nothing. We're just in the middle of this dark occult ritual and everything's all fucked up. It's spooky shit. And then you hear a cell phone ring and one of the hooded figures like pulls uh, uh, down their hood and it's Sweet Pea. And he's like, oh, guys, I got I to gotta go. My family's getting married. <laughs> he just hops on a plane and then he's in Riverdale for the wedding. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And they're like, hey, what have you been up to? I got, uh, I got spare chicken bones are, are in the tour bus. It's fine. You guys got this. This is all I want. This is <laughs> all I want. Uh, so uh, after Tony leaves, Heather's like, hey, so you want to talk about that? You know, it's completely normal if you're feeling a little upset that, you know, your ex has gotten married. And, and Cheryl replies, quote, I am anything but completely normal. Also, I'm fine. (laughs) It is so good. You can say a lot about Cheryl Blossom, but she is self-aware. Yes. She is also queen of the bees. Queen of the bees. Oh my God. Can she be queen of the bees for the wedding? And just like, you know how they release like doves and butterflies? She releases the bees. It is time for the doors to open Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at this long awaited first time ever slasher con slaughter con slaughter con slasher serial whatever killer con uh so the big open space the central set of babylonium has been slightly redressed yeah just about every event has its own like neon sign like it's the con mall they're all storefronts and not like you know meeting room 402 or whatever and let's Point out the fact that this entire convention takes place in one room. It's a first year convention. That's like, perfectly valid. Like the little the little like here's here's this session, here's this panel. It's basically where a booth would have been. <laughs> but you know, we got we got Betty there, Archie there, Drake, Veronica, and Dr. Curdle, of course. Of ready course. ready to accept the eager visitors. He's got his little presenter badge, I'm sure. <laughs> And so the doors open up and, and all the attendees pour in and a lot of them are in costumes as various serial killers. And this is just Halloween, not not the movie. This is the holiday, Halloween. They yes. are all ready for Halloween. Yes. They've forgotten that most serial killers in reality are just dudes. <laughs> Often middle-aged white dudes. <laughs> but but no, they they all have bizarre, mostly animal masks. A lot of aprons. Yeah, I, I can't say that I know of uh, many serial killers that enjoy the animal mask. The rubber horse head is a classic, but I mean, I, th- I guess some of them might be dressing up as Brett Weston Wallace when he was dressing up as a murder bunny just to scare people. I guess. I suppose so. To kick things off. <sighs> yeah. Kevin comes out to as Patrick Bateman to sing... Common Man. And it's not good. This is uh, one of my favorite songs from the it's musical. It's a great song. Except they totally rewrote the melody. Casey Cott, I guess, has a much uh, uh, more dynamic uh, uh, vocal range. They, they want to really pitch it up and make it a big show tune number. When it's not, it, it is Patrick Bateman announcing himself and how he conceives himself to the world. Yes. But we get some fun choreography of a bunch of other guys dressed as, like, investment bankers doing strong poses around him. Yes, and then there is a lot of, like, stabbing, 
well, we dance mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kevin's always wanted backup dancers. I get it. But just at the top, because this is where it starts. This is my big problem with this as a musical episode, which is to say it is not. It's not a musical episode. It's cabaret numbers. They do. Yeah. Yeah. It's more cabaret numbers than the average Riverdale episode. Yeah. What? One song in this whole episode is really what I consider a musical number? Yes. And everything else is a cabaret number or the reason they're singing is explained. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are fewer songs than in any previous yes. uh, musical episode, and yeah, only one of them, which is an absolute low, uh, uh, if if you're counting, if you're t- taking score, uh, uh, is actually characters who, in a moment, begin singing. And one song isn't even from the fucking musical. <laughs> yeah. It's just a whole different thing we decided to work in. So so now it makes sense to me why, yeah. They didn't say a freaking shit thing about this? The 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 annual musical episode is usually a big point of, of promotion and hype. And this one, it just feels obligatory. It just feels sort of squeezed in and, and swept under the rug. It's not a musical episode. This, to me, is no different than them including that song that Veronica sang... Like, what, last episode, episode before, from, um... Are you thinking of Toxic? No, from that musical. Oh, oh, yeah, from from Ride the Cyclone? From Ride the Cyclone. It's, like, no different than just, oh, we were going to sing anyways, and it just happens to be from a musical. Which, in turn, is really no different conceptually from Veronica singing Toxic. I mean, yeah. (laughs) But... I was referencing Ride the Cyclone, yeah, which is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I have listened to it. I very much enjoy it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, while he is singing, Betty uh, and Archie are looking out into the audience. And Betty sees the Black Hood. Someone and- dressed as the Black Hood. But what catches her attention is that this person has a knife. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she goes for him. Archie tackles him. I'm sure there's got to be a very specific, like, prop policy at this con in particular. They they apparently didn't read the, like, what do other cons do for their security (laughs) procedures? Yeah, because when she eventually confiscates this knife, there's no, like, yellow or orange tag around it. Because it's a real fucking knife, we find (laughs) out. Because when they, they drag this Black Hood wannabe off to an interrogation room... In the casino. Uh, It is a real knife. And what we find out is that the knife belonged to the Black Hood, Betty's father. And he bought it on Eastleigh. Thank you. Thank you for Eastleigh. I love Eastleigh. What I've noticed, I don't know if this is a coincidence, but the idea that it isn't is plaguing me. But the fake pun brand names have been reducing at the same rate actual product placement has been increasing. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. I'm not paranoid. Every every time there's a new chip bag, there's one less something else. There's one less stupid brand name joke. And it pisses me the fuck off, because I like... Yeah. I like Eastleigh. Why can't you try dating on the Stumble app? Come on, work with me. And so, so this guy brought the knife because he wanted to get Betty's autograph. You're my hero, Betty Cooper. He also mentions that he would be honored to be her first official kill. The, the show is backing me up. Betty has never killed anyone. She's so worried she's a serial killer, though she has a zero kill count. Her uh, KD ratio is awful. 
this guy is just like Betty Cooper super fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just just wants it all. And she, she's the next best thing to one of them. She's mm, yeah, and he so wants close. to help her become one of them. Yes, like kill me. Also sign my knife. So maybe do that first, so I can see it happen, and then you can kill me with it. And oh, but it'll be then great. it's gonna wipe the signature off. Okay, sign okay. the handle. Sign the handle, sign and then like it. wrap it in saran wrap. We gotta sign it. We gotta wait for it to dry, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then stab me. <laughs> so meanwhile, at Pops Royale, yes, Percival walks in, and all of the striking workers are there getting their free, you know, Sammies. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so he's all like, great, you'll need your energy to resume your work. And Fangs is like, fuck that, no, we're not doing that. And Percival does his mind control stuff on Fangs. He does a big brain whammy on Fangs in particular, and then once Fangs walks out the door to go toward the railway yard, uh, uh, he does a big group one for all these unnamed people. And yes. Carlos. Carlos has a name, but, you know, everyone else at once. And, and they all go... And then Percival's nose bleeds. He is barely bleeding. He used too many powers. So American Psycho, the musical, uh, uh, is composed songs by Duncan Sheik, mm-hmm. who was famous in the 90s for that very song, Barely Breathing. That was his big one-hit wonder moment in the 90s. Oh. But... About 15 years ago, he had a much more successful musical, mm-hmm. Spring Awakening. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I said that they should do Spring Awakening. Well, they've got a Me- relationship. Remember my prediction was, okay, now that they're adults, so they're working at the school, they're like, hey, we're going to do Spring Awakening. And the townspeople are like, we can't have children doing that. So then Kevin has to direct all the adults in the high school musical of Spring Awakening because you have to be at least 18 to be in it. That would be amazing. I said I this like it. when we did the like the time jump. Yes. I was yes. like this will be it. So and we Roberto know. Roberto best friends with Duncan Sheik collaborators on the very show that is this year's quote unquote musical. Next year. Next year. Make it happen and do it correctly. Yes. Not this bullshit. Uh, I mean, thinking back, it's been a while, but as I recall, Carrie, but specifically even more so Heather's, some of the numbers were rehearsal, but a lot of the numbers were just people singing the songs as if they were in a musical. Yes. Yes. It was like High School Musical, the musical, the series. (laughs) So let's just do that. But instead, we've reverted back toward, again, speaking of Roberto, glee mode, where every song is diegetically happening. Yeah. And we have to have convoluted uh, uh, justifications for our musical to not really be one. And it's stupid. It's stupid! Stupid! Back at Killer Kong. So it's time for Agent Drake's panel. Her symposium on hybristophilia, which we now get a definition for, killer kink. Yes. People who are attracted, turned on, or otherwise get all hot and bothered for the murder boys. Yes. And the occasional murder woman, but according to statistics. And uh, Archie to Betty is like, wow, that's kind of weird. Who would be drawn to that? And Betty's like, I have no idea. But do, that, do, 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 do. Then again, those statistics are only based on the ones we catch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get interrupted, though, because Tabitha calls Archie to fill him in that uh, Percival had everyone go back to work. Yes. And so Archie needs to rush off. To go take care of that. 
We don't follow Archie, though. Instead, we go to Thornhill. No, 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 no. Instead, we go to Kevin Keller's doorstep, where Cheryl is shown up in a cloak. That's right. That's right. She has to summon him to Thornhill, and yeah. And she's like, (laughs) hey, hey, have you heard about Tony and Fangs? You want to join me in uh, cursing their unholy union? And he's (laughs) like, yeah, I do. I love this because Cheryl is in, like, a straight-up floor-length Red Riding Hood cloak. Yes. And she's filmed from behind. You don't know it's Cheryl. I mean, you obviously know it's Cheryl until Kevin says, oh, hi, Cheryl, and then you see her face. <laughs> I Like, you think, oh, my gosh, it's like the Grim Reaper or something is here for Kevin. Like, and he's just like, yep, Cheryl, what, what do you want? I imagine the Grim Reaper would be taller. <laughs> The Petite Reaper. <laughs> so Tabitha, Tony, and Archie have a little meeting about the mind controlling. They bring up the point of like, well, why why did he wait till now to mind control? And they're like, well, maybe it's harder to control a large group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Getting into the whole like, ooh, weakness. We found a weakness. We can overwhelm him with numbers. So Tabitha's like, you know what we gotta do? We gotta remind them of what they're striking for. And you know what? Songs? Songs have always been used in the labor movement. And like, Archie, you have their contact information and a guitar. (laughs) You know, like all those pictures of Woody Guthrie and his guitar had that sticker that's like, this machine breaks mind control from demons. (laughs) It's just like that. It's just like that. Just how quickly this idea comes to Tabitha's brain of, you know what, we can just sing a nice little kumbaya. She knows she's in a musical episode. At least she thinks she is. The jury's still out. Archie, you have a guitar! And their (laughs) contact information, so, like, we can call them all up. The thing is, is, like, what she actually means with the contact information is, like, we can call up their family, which is their reason for going on strike in the first place. But I like to think it's really that Archie's going to call each individual worker and sing them a song over the phone. He's going to leave a message on their voicemail of him, like... Yeah, I played this one for the high school talent show junior year. (laughs) Came in third place. Let's see if I still got it. (laughs) And they're just like, what the fuck? Okay, I'll stop being mind control if you stop leaving me voicemails of your singing, Archie. (laughs) But but like you mentioned, while uh, uh, Tabitha is talking about music, Tony is talking about family and how everybody needs an anchor uh, uh, you know, a, a tether, just like Fang said that his would be baby Anthony. Yeah. It didn't fucking work today, though. <laughs> no, he, he was too busy being mad at Percival to think about the baby. <laughs> uh, so now we're at Thornhill. Yes, and uh, Kevin has joined Cheryl to say their curse. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's all about how you got, you know, like a wedge between them. And so they got a picture of Tony and they got a picture of Fangs and they put down a literal like wedge. Yeah, yeah. Like a metal wedge. And then they say a curse. Cheryl first mentions it as like a, a love spell done in reverse. But she's not like talking backwards or anything cool. She's just like saying bad words instead of the good words. You know, disharmony and, and unhappiness. Yes. Have it, like, wedge between them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and she declares that this wedge should be there, quote, for all eternity. Yes. Archie does get his guitar. Yes. And he goes to the workyard with Tony 
and Tabitha and all the family members all, of all the workers. All manner of spouses and children, yes. And Tony holding the worst bundle of blankets that's supposed to be baby Anthony. She's holding toddler Anthony. The boy had a growth spurt. But holding him like he is a baby. Yeah. Like a newborn baby. <laughs> swaddled in like 12 blankets. Yeah, they, they borrowed the doll from American Sniper. I don't know. I don't know. Everyone is in a light jacket. Archie's not even wearing a fucking jacket. But this baby looks like he's going to the tundra. Well, Archie is invulnerable. I don't know if we can really go off of him. <laughs> but he starts to play. And they start to sing... A very old labor song. Yeah, they, they all sing Bread and Roses, the, the classic labor hymn that was set to music from a poem that was based on, of course, one of the most famous strikes of the late 1800s. Uh, the most common tune comes from like the early 1940s, though, and, and which I think is the one they're doing. Anyway, what, what I mean to say is this is not from American Psycho. It's not. It's absolutely not. It's not. <laughs> and it's very weird. Like I mentioned weeks ago, American Psycho is like one in four, one in five songs, actual 80s hits. Like, yeah. it's a partial jukebox musical. Yeah. So if you want to use a real song, any of those would be weird here, but they would be, like, on theme weird. You, you know what they could have also done that I feel like would get a slightly better pass? Not much of one. Mm -hmm. But they could have pulled, like... A strike worker song from, like, other musicals that have to do yeah, with that. Yeah, they, they could have like, taken, like, one of the songs from Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot would have worked great. Like, I would say Newsies, too. But like, Billy Elliot. Like, totally. Yeah, yeah. Like, at least it would have been a fucking musical <laughs> for your musical episode. But so all the workers are, like, snapped out of it, and yes, they're all like, yes. yes, let me go with my family and sing this song I've never heard before. And meanwhile, Frank is just firing everyone. I'm betting that they have, like, that they sing songs at their meetings. They're, I, it, they're not it, part of the union, though. But they also are. We had this conversation, too, before. But apparently not a good one because they don't meet ever because they're like, yeah, I'm going to leave the union. And no, it took like two weeks for the union to notice. <laughs> They've been having a lot of meetings with Archie lately. So is Archie just like pulling out his guitar and teaching yes. them songs every yes. time? He likes this one better than Solidarity Forever. Yes. Well, he's wrong because Solidarity <laughs> Forever is a great song. <laughs> Now, do you mean the one from Billy Elliot or the one that's actually sung it, like, uh, more commonly in the labor movement that's just to the tune of the Battle Hymn of the Republic? You know what? Either. Okay. It's all fine. Okay. It's better than this one. This one's weird. <laughs> so back at SlaughterCon. Uh, for, you know, Betty's very down. She's like, you know, one day down. <laughs> you and know no, who else is down. No t TBK sightings. Uh, once Drake finds out that Archie's nowhere around... She's all like, you know. Hey, Betty, I think you're real hot, and I want to do a Dayton smooch. I want to touch your boobs. I want to, I want to like hold your hand first, though. I don't want to be creepy about it. But, but like, like, I really want to touch your boobs. Eventually, <laughs> it'd be nice to touch your boobs. So Drake just lets it out that she is attracted to Betty, and Betty's like, oh, I'm flattered, but I'm with Archie, and Drake's like. So is that exclusive? Like, I don't see what the problem is. This is going to be a running subplot through the entire episode. And what I want to say at the top is Betty's uh, objection is, as noted, she is dating Archie and she responds to his question, it is exclusive. 
Yes. In none of the conversations about this with Drake, with Archie, with uh, uh, Veronica in, in a few scenes, the fact that she is or is not into women never enters into it. No, uh, the scene with Veronica, because Veronica says, like, oh, it's not like you're attracted to her anyways. And she makes this face and she's like, Betty, you are. <laughs> I took that as this specific woman, not the category of women. A specific woman, yeah. But, I mean, if there's a specific woman. Like, they're pl- I, what I mean they to say is. They don't address it. My read is they are playing this as if Betty has been out and bisexual this whole time. It's just never been said. This is never, yeah. <laughs> it's like we just, it just didn't come up. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so Drake's all like, you, know, you, you guys are so different and we have so much in common. You know, the, like the murderers and like having <laughs> guns and. They work Arresting together. people. Yeah. Um, the mystic arts. She also was like, you know, I, I thought I was picking up on vibes. Is there a vibe? Tell me the vibes. I must know. I must check your vibes. Lots of vibes. So the question of vibes hangs in the air as we cut to commercial. And then immediately afterward, it's post-coital times, which is a hell of a vibe. Yes, Agent Drake is bringing her coffee in bed, but then, oh, oh, it's actually just a dream. Yeah, she wakes up from the dream, still a vibe, still a vibe. And Betty is waking up in the bed that she shares with Archie, and then she is having breakfast with Archie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was not sexy time. I mean, I don't know what happened earlier in that dream. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I usually uh, wake up before I wake up in the dream. I wake up before I fall asleep. You wake up before you fall asleep? I'm just saying sexy dreams never get past the sexy part. You never have the sexy part and then like sleep in your sleep? No. No. So yeah, so they're having breakfast and they're like checking in about their day. Like, when are you heading over? Betty's very like, Archie, you don't have to come to Slaughter Con. It's fine. And he's like, okay, I'll go check on the crew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah, uh, your whole entrapment thing, trying to get a whole lot of very dangerous people to be weird together, it's freaking me out a bit. I'm, I'm gonna weird. Go, I'm just going to go to my jam session to, to break uh, uh, brain go, control powers. I got to go teach the guys the next song. <laughs> uh, so meanwhile, uh, Cheryl uh, brings Fangs some muffins. Well, Fangs and Tony. She comes over bearing a gift of muffins, which makes me think, like, okay, is she now trying to, like, fucking poison him? Because the last time she brought muffins. I think she is using this as a cover, as an excuse to go see the fruits of her curse. Yes, I think so as well. But, like, Cheryl's got a bad reputation with muffins. (laughs) Fangs is like, oh, it's not a good time. And she comes in and uh, Tony is just exhausted. Mm -hmm. And what we find out is that baby Anthony has been up all night. They think it's colic. He has a fever. It's it's just awful. Cheryl, you cursed a baby. I hope you feel proud. I hope you feel like a real big man. You cursed a baby. And Cheryl immediately realizes that she cursed the fucking baby. (laughs) Time for frog medicine. So she goes and t- blows out all the candles back at Thornhill, <laughs> yeah. and Kevin is like pissed. Like you cursed my fuck? baby. You cursed my baby. Don't do like, that. Is it? Isn't there someone we can call, like an expert or something? He needs a fucking exorcist or something. And Cheryl's actually like, I, I know someone. This is fine. It will be okay. 
So in Veronica's office, I guess, I don't know, between sets at a, a SlaughterCon. Yes. It's time for that conversation we alluded to earlier. This is Betty and Veronica having the sort of conversation that friends would have. Yes. I love this scene. Uh, and so uh, she tells her, you know, about how Agent Drake said all those things. About the boobies. About the boobies. But, you know, like, it, it made her start to think that, like, she... I feel bad about making Agent Drake sound way more sexually aggressive than she is. Like, for the record, everything else is jokes, but here's the truth. She's not. She's, she's she not. She didn't say anything about boobies. Back to the jokes, though. Oh, my God. She loves the boobies. She loves the boobies. Betty's like, you know, it made me think, though, that, like, I compartmentalize a lot of things with Archie. I don't talk about, like, the dark things with him. Uh, and, you know, I can talk about those things with Agent Drake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and Veronica's like, yeah, but, like, everyone does that with everyone. And she's also, like, works with your job. Like, <laughs> makes sense he would talk about that shit. Like, and, and Veronica comes down on, on, in a very, like, do as I say, not as I do thing. Like, don't, don't make my same mistakes. How about a little openness? How about a little honesty? How about a little not dating people you work with? <laughs> like, may, maybe just, like, talk to Archie. That could be a good idea. Because we all know how much Veronica Lodge values monogamy. Yeah. <laughs> Again, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, so after that, we go back out into, like... The con The floor. con. Yeah. And Dr. Curdle is doing one of his autopsies. Yeah, it's just the briefest. We get a little snatch of ADR about him removing organs in his demonstration. <sighs> I wish we got so much more. As the camera pans away to what it's really about, which is Veronica telling Agent Drake to keep her libido to herself. She's been listening to us and not the real Agent Drake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, you know, this this isn't helping my friend right now. And, like, you need to let her figure things out. So just, like, leave her alone. Veronica's sweater, I just want to point out, especially for people who are also listening to uh, Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. Very JoJo's. It's specifically the same sweater as as uh, a guy named Dopio, who uh, we've recorded an episode on, but haven't uploaded. So if you know uh, uh, Part 5 Golden Wind, you know the sweater I'm talking about, and you'll look at Veronica and you'll be like, oh my god, they gave her Dopio's sweater. And if you don't, in a few weeks you'll hear us describe it to you, and then you'll have the same reaction. Similar. Yeah, yeah. Similar. She, she's got the asymmetric slit in the cable knit that makes kind of a boob window, but it's actually very slim. It's 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 the little, uh, here, I guess here. it's cold collarbone? Instead of like a cold shoulder sweater, yeah, you've got yeah. a cold collarbone. The, the big difference is that Veronica's isn't a turtleneck, as I recall. No, it's not. But, and it, like her slit's a little off to the side, not straight on. And it's buttoned together by pearls. Yes. Which is, which it, is cute. It's a cute it, little feminine touch. It reminds me of some clothes from when I was like 13. Yes. <laughs> where they used to, they would do like a little bedazzlement, but it would be like a split seam and then like little little gems holding it together. <laughs> a few of those tank tops. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. We were so much bedazzlement back then. <laughs> and where the fuck were we going? That's back when America had hope. This is true. It was like pre-9-11. We were looking forward to a new millennium and all the promise it held. Yep. And it's just been fucking downhill since then. Cheryl calls Heather yes. to come uncurse the baby. Yeah, yeah. 
So Heather is apparently in, in is also a registered midwife and a night nurse. Yes. She has enough jobs that she can move into Riverdale if she wants. She fits. She fits. She's like, oh, this should take care of uh, the colic. Yeah, that's what we're calling it. Uh, it's just a, a common, uh, you know, concoction of things from the greenhouse. Which gives a Rivervale flash to, to Cheryl saying something very similar in the first Rivervale episode when she cured baby Anthony's colic. Uh, instead of, you know, leaving the baby in the fucking woods. In order to extract a price from Tony and Fangs, uh, uh, which was their part in, in the ritual murder of Archie Andrews. Yes. So now it is time for Betty to do her panel. Yes. At SlaughterCon. It is. And, and what better way to do it than have it hosted by Alice? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, this happens all the time at cons, right? You have a Q&A with your uh, a celebrity guest. And, and their mother. And, well, and somebody who knows how to talk to people. In addition to being her mother, Alice is also a talk show host. Yeah, but it doesn't mean she knows how to talk to people. <laughs> Now, usually, the background is just, like, logos of, you know, the show and its biggest sponsors. In this case, it looks like the set of Dateline or something. Yeah. Like, this is clearly being made for a a 60-minute news magazine program. Yes. And not a convention (laughs) appearance. Like, I get it. It's a small convention, blah, blah, Mm -hmm, blah. mm -hmm. But so, I'm like... You'll go to, like, Comic-Con for this fucking show that you're making. (laughs) You're you're part of this world. You you, know this. You know what it looks like, and this ain't it. Like, and what it looks like (laughs) is not attractive for television. That's that's fair. So, okay, yeah, gussy it up. Go for it. I get it. But what they did isn't attractive for television either. (laughs) I would have much preferred a, a backdrop that just says SlaughterCon all over it. Uh-huh. And, like, the casino's logo. Like, mm-hmm. that would have been great. But the story being told is, you know, uh, Betty's final day. You know, the, the carving knife and, and being released for dismembering the, this corpse. Yes. And then they open it up to questions from the audience. And they first call on the girl with the black Dahlia t-shirt. I respect this. I like this. I like the show reminding us that, hey... Penelope Blossom was also a serial killer, and she had an official serial killer name. Yes. Don't forget. Uh, and so the quest- first question this person has is, uh, you know, why do killers wear masks? Mm-hmm. Short answer, they don't, but... <laughs> but Betty's like, oh, it's so they can help uh, disassociate, and so they don't feel, like, guilty, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. It's also so we can keep their identity a mystery until later on in the season. When we find out it's someone's dad. Maybe we haven't even decided who's under that mask, and the mask really helps us work in that space. Yeah. So so then Alice does something you will never see at a convention. She, she stops taking uh, uh, questions from the audience in order to, to uh, answer the caller on the phone line like it's the fucking radio. She's like, hi, you're on with Betty and Alice. What's your question? And of course, it's TBK or yeah. someone doing an incredible TBK impression. I don't know. It's the phone. I don't fucking know. 
So it's very heavy breathing. A lot of, you know, tell us pretty Betty. Pretty Betty. Why do you wear a mask? You're, oh. you're wearing a mask right now. A human mask. And they do that whole rigmarole. You know the deal. And it goes and it goes and it goes to the point where like, come on, buddy. We got people waiting in line. Ask your question. Come on. Like, please don't like ask for an autograph or a photo or yeah, yeah. like Betty's got a photo op in in 15 minutes we got to get out of here we can't run long uh the, Dr. Curdle Jr is, is going to do a, a, an anatomy lesson on this stage we have to go please don't ask Betty to call your mom to wish your mom a happy birthday don't give Betty the shirt off your back just don't do that. It's sweaty. It's sweaty. You're at a con. Everyone's now sweaty. Now you don't have a shirt. You're also, like, not allowed to not have a shirt for, like, the bus. Anyway, we saw that happen to CM Punk once, and it was awkward. <laughs> you know, the whole thing, back and forth, back and forth, is going to eventually end up with you and me kissing in the dark, blah, 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 hang up. The big point that TBK is trying to make that we haven't touched on yet is that the typical suburban idyllic life, like normality in all of its ben banality, is something that Betty can never have. And if she thinks she can, she's lying to herself because she's a fucked up freak like the rest of us sickos. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, Heather is uh, letting Cheryl know, like, hey, don't cast spells when you're emotional. It never goes well. I thought I made that clear. Like, don't fucking do that. Just swats her with a newspaper. Hey, 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 stop it. Uh, and she's like, what, what the fuck's actually going on with you? Why are you sad? So then Cheryl decides it's time to tell her girlfriend how much she wishes she was still with her ex. That's cool. Cool, Cheryl. But also, like, I want, I want us to be, like, official. Like, yeah, like, let's, let's go to this bachelorette party. Let's go have a date. And so they do. They they decide to strengthen their relationship by basking in the glow of Tony's relationship. And so they go to the bachelorette party that is starting off at one of the champagne suites of Babylonia. <laughs> so, with the, so Percival's house. <laughs> yeah, he's just next door and he's ready to file a complaint. Uh, because, uh, as Veronica says, the absence is glowing or the absence is flowing, and Katie Keene sent us all these dresses from Lacey's. Everyone is, like, wearing super fine, like, club dresses. Everyone's very sparkly. This is where all the, the sequins and so bedazzling many, went. So much bedazzling. And uh, all the cleavage, too. Betty is breasting boobily. Drake cannot control herself. I mean, Drake is no like, slouch ah. herself. Uh, uh, it's like, ah. everyone, everyone. Also, yeah, Agent Drake got invited. Why not? Cool. Yeah, she's got a good pantsuit. I like it. Seems very comfortable for a night of dancing. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. like it. And this is the only legitimate musical sequence. And you know what? It pisses me off. I don't like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because this is the song in American Psycho where they just name off a whole lot of brands. Yes, And people yes. and real things. And they had so much potential, so, so much opportunity to turn all of those things into things like Eastleigh. Yeah, yeah. And Glamourget. But and they didn't fucking do it. No, it's it's all the actual, like, fine designer brands being sung about. In in the musical, this song is uh, uh, Patrick's fiance throwing an event. And, like, the dramatic thrust of the song is that everybody is just as shallow and just as image 
and and consumption obsessed as Patrick Bateman, they just don't kill people about it. That's the only difference. But instead, in Riverdale, uh, uh, chapter 112, uh, it's just the girls talking about how much they like their pretty dresses that they don't usually get to wear because most of them are some level of broke. Yeah. Which is fun. It's fun. It's fun. They do a good job. It's is one of the ones that is like the most musical-y. I but they could have. They could have. It would have been so fun if they would have changed those names. There is some fun uh, choreography here as they go down the hallway from the suite to the dance floor. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the moment where they all stop and then switch shoulders for their purses in unison. Yeah. It's... I appreciate making a dance out of the actual activity that would be happening. Yeah. Naturalistic movements turned into choreography is like, it's a thing I dig. And so then they get to the dance party and it, it transitions into to Kevin doing number. Oh, th- this is when he's singing Killing Spree? Yes. You can imagine what this is in the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, you know, more dance like stabbing. Yes, uh, yes. And while they're all dancing in the crowd and whatnot, uh, Betty sees TBK in the distance. Yes. And she, she she tries to go, but like loses him in the crowd. She's in hot pursuit as Kevin is continuing to fake stab his backup dancers. And then she looks up onto the stage and she sees TBK behind him and he puts a bag over Kevin's head and is, you know, suffocating him. And she goes up there and knocks TBK down. And Kevin's like, what the fuck? You're messing up my act. Because that wasn't the real TBK or even the TBK she was chasing. That was Dr. Colonel Jr. Who's so happy to be included. I, I bet this made his day to be part of like a stage performance. Oh my God. He was so excited. He gets excited. to live the showbiz life. Oh my God. Right? But... A really poor choice of staging on Kevin's part. I like, I don't know. I imagine this is Kevin's idea, right? Yes. TBK is not in American Psycho. Like, you are you are doing American Psycho. That That is like your contract here. What are you putting TBK in this for? And like, don't you know this is a honey trap for the real guy? Well, and that's the thing. I'm like, did they not fill him in on what the plan was? That's exactly what it is. Nobody talks to Kevin. And no, Nobody talks to Kevin. And no one talks to Dr. Curdle Jr., to fill him in either, so he didn't know either. <laughs> you know, conversations. As Veronica said, those convos could have avoided a lot of things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like this. So so the night is over, and uh-huh, uh-huh. Heather's like, you know, Cheryl, you Riverdale girls put us Greendale girls to shame. Ha ha ha, so much fun. Do you think Tony enjoyed her bachelorette party? Nobody asks her. She doesn't talk about it. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't we don't show like anything else with Tony at her bachelorette party. We just go to Cheryl and Heather and Cheryl like showing off the painting she painted of her and Heather as they... the twins from The Shining. <laughs> like this is a painting I did of us from when we were children. It's not at all creepy. It's them seriously holding hands. In a hallway, it's the twins from The Shining. They, they don't have the, like, 
ramrod and, and like flat affect physicality, but it's clear what they're going oh, for. Oh yeah. And so what's that do? It makes Heather hot and bothered and yes. they go off giggling down the hallway to go have some fun times. They they flop down onto a bed together out of focus in, in the background. The end cutaway. That's not what Riverdale is anymore. What's Fangs' party? Is Fangs going to have a bachelor party? Is he just going to have poker night down at the dealership with all the boys? I want Fangs to bring back, like, old serpent traditions. Oh my god, he's going to get branded. <laughs> yes. With an iron. Yes. These these are the things I want. Or, like, <laughs> they get a lot of snakes. They got to go, like, snake catching. He has to whip a ooh, snake. Ooh, a serpent to... wedding. Let's talk about what a serpent wedding's like, okay? So they gotta go catch the snake. So you know how, like, wedding traditions are, like, tying the rope around the hands? But mm-hmm, it's a mm-hmm. snake. Yeah, yeah. They so don't... they gotta go catch the snake so they can have the snake wrap around their hands at their ceremony. They don't jump a broom, they jump a snake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The current hot dog is always the ring bearer. That's required. Yes. 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 These are good things. I like it. <laughs> so uh, it's the next morning and Archie's like, oh, hey, like, I didn't hear you come in last night, Betty. Seems like you had a lot of fun. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, I also saw TBK. And I kind of got to fill in for Kevin because he's upset that I fucked up his act so bad. As she said, Kevin is bailing on the final performance because I messed up his vision. <laughs> And I like to think of this now as, like, Gary's vision from Adam's Family uh, Values. Sure, sure. The one... Vision. The one uh, reference point you have for live theater in your life. Yes, Adam's Family Values. You have no other point of reference. Anytime someone talks about a theater vision, that's what I go to. You have a degree in theater. Vision. (laughs) I've seen it. But there's no vision as good as that one. (laughs) What? You can't mess with perfection. <laughs> but Why are you a Wookiee? I, I can only accidentally be a Wookiee. I can't actually do it. But you can be Stitch. It's so good. <laughs> I can love it. But Betty is taking the stage for a second reason, which is, of course, to be the unpassupable bait. Just doing a Q&A on stage, sure, that merits a phone call from TBK, but boy, he didn't really uh, show the way we wanted him to. No, no, no. I've got to put on a sparkly dress and do a song. That'll get him. And then Agent Drake and Veronica will lock all the doors, creating a fire hazard (laughs) where everyone is trapped inside with a serial killer. That's fine. And Archie's like, I'll be there if you want me to. And I won't be there if that's okay with you also. (laughs) (laughs) And Betty would prefer he not be there. The reason she gives is that having the indestructible Superman would would spook him. That it, It would spoil the bait. Yeah. It would make the trap too obvious. Also in this conversation, Betty decides to bring up, uh, you know... I, I don't know if I want a house and picket fences and, and children and all that, but I know you do. So is that like a deal breaker to our relationship? And Archie's like, maybe we should talk about this later. Like, <laughs> You're like catching a serial killer tonight through the power of music, which I know <laughs> is very powerful indeed. Not as powerful. 
powerful as football, but like second most powerful. <laughs> the epic highs and lows of your vocal range. <laughs> and and he's just like, maybe not right now. Like, I, I need like afternoon coffee before that conversation. <laughs> I need you to arrest this man and then we can talk about the weird shit he says to you. <laughs> so then at SlaughterCon at yeah. Babylonian... Uh, uh, Veronica and Betty are talking about that conversation. Like, oh yeah, we we actually talked and decided to table it for another time. Veronica's like, you know, Betty, you really need to like chill about being dark, Betty, because like I've killed more people than you. So like, <laughs> she starts listing them, and she doesn't even mention the guy she set on fire on Halloween in Le Bonnui. Well. Betty does cut her off. That's true. She was going to get there eventually. But yeah, who does she mention? She mentions calling a hit on her dad. Chad. And Chad. And oh, there was that accident with Geraldo. <laughs> and... So yeah, she's killed two people. I don't count her dad as her killing him. I don't... She put the hit out on him. Conspiracy to murder. Yeah, yeah. But that's not murder. I mean, really, she killed three. So she's a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, so she's trying to comfort Betty with this, and Betty's like, wow, you really need to not talk about this. Like, <laughs> You should be doing a signing, Veronica. 15 bucks a pop. Let's go. Let's go. Also, Veronica's like, you know, Archie's also a big boy, and like, he can decide for himself if he wants to deal with this or not. Like, mm-hmm, Don't make mm-hmm. his decision for him. Yeah. Veronica's being actually really good. Yeah. Veronica's being shockingly good. She's learned all of her lessons. She just can't, you know, apply them in her own life. Yeah. Drake comes in. She's like, hey, we got a situation in the office. And it's that dude that had the knife that wanted Mm -hmm. Betty's autograph. And he's back with a gun. And it is also a Black Hood gun. And he's like, can you just sign it? Yes, it is specifically her father's, the Black Hood gun. Like the one that he used to shoot Fred. And a lot of other people besides. He shot Moose like eight times. Yeah. He's just like, "Can, can, can you sign this one instead? And she's like... No, no, gonna confiscate no. that. Also, well, like you're you lucky have... we're not arresting you. How do you have this? This belongs in a museum. What are you? What? No. Eastlay. It's amazing. You can find <laughs> anything on it. Eastlay sounds like someone doesn't know how to pronounce the name Elise or something. Yeah. Is trying to say like no, no, Isle. It's Belle Isle, not Eastlay. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Uh, so then we cut to another conversation with Veronica and Betty, where Veronica is comforting Betty that she is so sorry that TBK didn't show up during her performance. I'm so angry at this episode at this point. I'm just like, oh, all caps on oh. my notes. They didn't even do the song. What they, the fuck? We're this just is, fucking skipping it. This is a bait and switch inside a grander bait and switch. What the fuck? But no. Flashback. After talking about how it was fruitless, they go back to the song itself. Yes. After after Agent Drake is also like, Veronica was right. You were amazing. Then says something about like, but like, Betty, who were you singing about? Was it Archie or TBK? And the song she's singing, once we actually see her sing it, is A Girl Before. It's from very late in the show. Uh, in the show, it is uh, uh, Patrick Bateman's assistant singing about her confused romantic feelings for her boss. Mm-hmm. It's a really good song. It's a really pretty song. It's the only, like, I mean, much like the film, she's the only good person in it. And yeah. so the song communicates that. She she has, like, hope and is actually capable of love and positive feelings, unlike everyone else in this world. My response 
response to Agent Drake, though, is it's the song Kevin had planned for. <laughs> it was in the programs. We already printed them. I, I couldn't change it. <laughs> what the fuck? A lot of things are happening in this song. Like, it is the backing of several scenes. For yes. one, on stage, she is having thoughts of Archie. Archie where he is now. Archie through the years. The sex hole is in her reminiscences. Yeah, it is. Uh, then she, we also get, during the song, her going home that night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, she's texting Archie about him bringing home dinner. The text is literally like, oh, I think I have a taste for pops. And, like, that's good. What else are you going to get? <laughs> maybe. Maybe there's another restaurant in this town. But is there another 24-hour restaurant in this town? <laughs> Uh, You're just eating microwave popcorn for dinner if Pops is not available. (laughs) So as she's, like, in Archie's room, like, settling in, she notices in her bedroom across Mm -hmm. the yard, TBK. So she grabs Papa Gun and rushes downstairs and she goes next door to her old house that she moved out of, like, two weeks ago and sees a dead FBI agent in in the, the, you know, breezeway. The, the FBI agent that was posted there as part of security for this event. Yes. And so she rushes upstairs, and it's empty. And then she goes back down, and she finds Alice and Charles taped up with bags over their heads at the kitchen table. Which I'm kind of like, I think you could have seen that from the door. She wanted to get the bad man. You secure the space first. And so she, she unduct tapes them uh, just enough so they can, like, breathe. Not enough to, like, untie them and, like, they can escape from the killer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Alice is like, oh, after he killed the guard, he said he would wait in the garage for you. So Betty goes to the garage and she finds TBK putting the finishing touches on a romantic dinner date. He also knows she hasn't eaten. Yes. He's very observant. Yes. And he's like, ah, you brought a gun to our date. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and she's all like, take off your mask. And he's like, put yours on. And he gestures to a mask like his that he has for her. And he's super trash bagged up, head to toe in plastic, bound with tape uh, uh, to like fit his form. Uh, he says that, of course, Betty, uh, uh, you have to become one of us, an American psycho. <sighs> and she's like, you know how many people have said that to me? Hopefully including... just the one. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, none? Like, in exact words, I hope this is the first time. Like, it's who the fuck is quoting that at Really you? awkward. What? He's going on about, like, you know, after you put the mask on, we can go inside and claim our victims of your mother and brother. He's giving an ultimatum that he thinks is, you know, his masterstroke. Betty will be a killer. She either kills him or she joins him to kill the family that she hates. She does not like these two people when you get down to the bottom of it. Yes. You know, he's like, we are soulmates. And, you know, put the mask on, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, if I put a mask on, does it make you a killer? Like, No. She is refuting him in a way that makes me think she's going to find a way out of this conundrum. She's going to uh, uh, do a third thing that is unaccounted for. Like, I don't know, kick him in the face or something. But she doesn't. She shoots him. She rejects the arguments in her heart, but she does shoot him dead. (laughs) Yes. And she, she comes back in the house 
And she unties her family and they're like, you know, what happened? We heard a gunshot. And she's like, TVK is dead. And they're like, are you sure? And we cut back to her sitting at the table that he had set up with the candles, watching him bleed out on the garage floor. You'd think a guy covered in all that plastic sheeting would make for easier cleanup, but no. Well, mm -mm. oh, you put a hole in the bag. I guess. He, he's dead. He's dead. And we, in this episode, do not find out who he was. I love this. I love this. I'm so glad we don't find out who TBK is because it doesn't matter who TBK is. He's, he's just a guy. Yeah. He was never important. He's only important in what he means for Betty. And having a face, having a name doesn't further that in any way. It's, it's The Last Jedi. Who cares who Snoke is? He's fucking dead. We're moving on. Percival uh, is chatting up with Frank, and he's like, you know, your nephew and Miss Tate are difficult. <laughs> uh, and Frank's like, well, you want me to, like, call some guys for some good old union busting? And he's like, oh, no, I want to go more old school than that. The the good the union busting Frank mentions specifically is uh you know like in Matawan in Harlan County, two places notable for like the National Guard coming in to fire on strikers. Frank was in the military. Yeah, he's got connections in the twenties and thirties, massacring coal miners. Frank looks great for his age, frankly. But yeah, so Percival wants something even more old school. Uh, as he says, it will be truly. Biblical. Bum, bum, bum. So he's really going back. So speaking of that nephew of Frank's, uh, Betty is speaking with her, her good boy Archiekins uh, uh, about recent events. Yeah, uh, killing TBK. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the whole thing about how she's worried about the darkness that was in her dad is in her, and that one day she might not be able to resist it, and one day Archie might not be able to, like, be with her because of this darkness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Archie's like, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. There, you... It is impossible for him to be afraid of her. Yeah. For him to not recognize the part of Betty that he loves in Betty. Yeah. And he, he is very, like, I really like this scene, yes. from him, especially from his perspective. Of yes. just like, you don't see this, but, like, I see the good in you. I see who you are. I trust you. That's the thing he says that I think really starts to, to break through to her. I trust you. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he tells a story about that time they already raised a baby together. No big deal. But uh, we're getting one last uh, uh, use out of our, our uh, preteen Betty actor. Before she's like 16. <laughs> uh, so back around that age, so I guess around the time the grooming began, all the same, she and Archie found a little baby bird that fell out of a nest. And so, without even thinking, without even questioning, she scooped that baby bird up, made her own nest out of torn newspaper strips, and the two of them nursed this bird to health until it flew away and lived a happy birdie life. Yes. Aww. Aww, that's so sweet. Yeah. She's so worried about, oh, did I torture and murder animals? You saved, an you nurtured animals, Betty. <laughs> and, and he's like, you know, you're so worried about hurting people. That's what makes you... Like, different. That's what makes mm -hmm. you good and kind, is that you don't want to hurt people, and you want to take care of people. Yes. And, and They've been fighting all this time, and you still are. Yes. Yeah. And they say, I love you, and they smooch, mm -hmm. and that's the end of the episode. This, 
So, darling, what did you think of chapter 112, American Psychos? Shitty-ass musical episode, but good episode. I think this is a great Riverdale episode if you divorce it from its place as the annual. I guess I would now say obligatory, because that's how it feels. Yes. It feels like, oh my god, we have to do one. Uh, uh, I guess we'll do this. It's... It lacks any sort of creativity or investment and, or integration. But the rest of it, Betty and Archie in particular, yeah. one of the best Riverdale episodes, honestly. Mm-hmm. If you were to like do a 30-minute supercut of this, this is a banger. And like the stuff between Betty and Veronica. Yes! Wonderful. Yes! It's like a really good episode in all those ways. It's just the whole like, this is the musical. It is such shit. Mm-hmm. And it does nothing for it. And the real soul of this episode, though, is Betty and Archie. And really exploring and developing and and making the subtext the words they say of how they feel about each other, what they see in one another, what they do for and to one another. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's the good stuff. Honestly, they would have been served better in this episode... By having it be like a karaoke competition throughout SlaughterCon and like doing songs from American Psycho and even other things. Like it could have been a montage of like Sweeney Todd, American Psycho, whatnot. But like just seeing like, oh, like it's the karaoke party. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like we're having it every night. That would have served this episode better than this these musical numbers. If anything, the the weak point of the episode, the thing you have to, to drop, is you are what you wear. Mm-hmm. You need to lose the exception. Yeah. And and maybe add another, yeah, stage show or karaoke or whatever. Because it doesn't fit when you're doing everything so differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a hard show to work into the plot. Yes. Every time we've talked about it, we've said that. And all of our ideas... Except for, apparently, when we said, oh, well, maybe they just do it as performances. Yeah. we said that a few times. Every other idea was a huge stretch. What makes it really annoying, too, with this is, like, this season is this, like, supernatural, anything mm-hmm. goes, mm-hmm. crazy thing. They could have done anything. Anything was at their fingertips to, like... Yeah, they could have been attacked by the music meister, who's cursed everyone. It's his superpower to yeah. make everyone sing. It, and it also, like, opened up any musical they could have done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they didn't take advantage of that. And it's just crazy to me that this was their, what they ended up with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's very, I don't know, it's very, it's almost like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, just don't do it. If you're not going to do it well, or at least, like, try to go all out with it, just don't do it. Every musical episode, we've talked about how they have a slightly different angle of attack a a different way of conceiving of what a musical episode is and how to do it and i guess this time it was just punt just kind of don't yeah you know what else they they didn't really do what whole episode about trying to suss out a a serial killer in a crowd no auras yeah where the fuck were the auras totally useless power not one or the aura gets mentioned The Oregon's mentioned in the planning committee about how, oh yeah, TBK doesn't know that I'll be able to see his aura now. I got over my blockage. You didn't, though. They don't. You didn't. They don't use any of their powers this entire episode. No. (laughs) It's very weird. Like, the only one that's mentioned, like, done anything is their little clip to Jughead who's, like, trying to quiet the voices. Yeah. And I think that might have been a reused shot from last week. 
I'm saying a lot of negative things about one aspect, but I want to be clear. I think this is a really good episode. It's a really good episode. If you didn't if know it... it was supposed to be the musical. Yes. If you just went in and thought, wow, they're, they're doing a more than average number of performances. Yes. And they're pretty much all from the same source. Not even entirely all. Yeah. Just most of them. Most of them. You would have a higher opinion of this episode than someone who's expecting th the real thing. Yes. Yes, very true. Because then it just stands on a, the merits it actually has, which are good. They're, they're meritous merits. Yeah. So, darling, do you have any predictions? Oh, do I? Well, do you have any predictions, darling? No. No, I don't either. I'm fucking, like, there's going to be a biblical war. Yeah, there's a biblical price to pay. Like, that's... That's what's coming. He's um, going to make them read the Bible. It takes forever. I mean, that is like the worst thing I can imagine. It's so much. And the middle bits are so boring. Once you get past Exodus, it's a long time before it gets good again. I wouldn't know. Well, then you get into the books of the law and it's just laws. It's just laws and laws and laws and laws. Oh. You get the book of numbers. Guess what's in there? Numbers? Yes. Why? What? That's a thing? It's like censuses and genealogies. That's a part of the Bible? Yes. No one ever talks about those parts. Uh, yeah, they, they're not the stories. The stories are, are the good stuff. You know, once you get back into like judges and kings, there we go. Story time. We're back, baby. But oh man, is there a slog right there? Huh. Anyhow, let's talk about what we do know is coming next week, chapter 113, Biblical. It's just called Biblical. Well, not next week. In two weeks. That is true. That is true. We are doing another skip week. This is airing June 26th. Yes. Uh, so what we know is uh, there's going to be uh, a plague with the rivers running blood red and flies and frogs. Yeah, a lot of the plagues of Egypt are name-checked or shown. Like, those three in particular. Like, we got nasty water coming. And cute frogs. And some cutie little frogs. Uh, Jughead is on a vision quest in the sex hole? Yes. Uh, it seems that uh, the creepy lady that Tony turns into in Rivervale, but it's not Tony. La Llorona? Yes. La Llorona's there. Uh, Archie breaks something with a sledgehammer while not wearing a shirt. Yeah, he does. Someone is yelling at Kevin that it's not too late to help. I assume they're yelling at Kevin. That's the clip that we see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tabitha's saying we have to fight for the future of Riverdale. Yeah, that could be in any given episode. That's not very descriptive. That, that's kind of been like her motto lately. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in two weeks' time, we will be talking at you about all that stuff. Nasty, nasty water coming out of them pipes. Uh, I wonder if they're going to be very topical. And by very topical, I mean, what, eight years uh, out of date? Yeah. Some very notable water crises have been ongoing longer than Riverdale has been a television program. This is true. Yeah. But in any case, thank you for joining us this week as we talk about uh, the very good and the very disappointing of, of uh, American Psychos, the quote-unquote musical episode of season six. <laughs> if you don't got it, just don't do it, okay? Yeah. I would be so happy if season seven doesn't have one. Because if this is the, the alternative, let me break it to you. You didn't have one. But at 
least we can have fun talking about it. And mm-hmm. if you liked what we talked about, you should leave us a rating and review. Yeah, 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 yeah. You should also tell a friend. Please do that, because uh, we're friends. And I want to be friends with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at sex underscore Archie. Over the weekend, you might have seen a great big thread of uh, all of the original songs and some of the, the uh, uh, cover songs in in the musical American Psycho and what we thought they might, what dramatic purpose in Riverdale they might be turned to. Mm-hmm. Turns out only one had a dramatic purpose. <laughs> yes. And we got partial credit on it. So I'm saying we did pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. Got one out of one, or half out of one is pretty good. That means we only got half of one wrong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So with that, I'm Lena. I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie, SlaughterCon 2022.